happen to you and your family, things that happen to you maybe in your work, with your family, with your kids, with, with whatever. And you think about those things and you say, well, what happened in my life in the past year? How did that affect me now after what's been happening this past year? What did I accomplish? What did I maybe overcome in my life? Where did I fail? Where do I need to change and do something, something differently this year? What is my plan and how will I accomplish that? And I've heard several times that a lot of us make New Year's resolutions, right? Okay? But most people say when, if you don't go beyond the thought of a New Year's resolution, it never really happens. You've got to take that thought and then you've got to put it on paper. And then you've got to take it from paper and you've actually got to have a point-by-point -point plan of action how you're actually going to make that resolution happen. And most people never get past the thought, and then some people may write it down, but they don't get to the plan, and then it's the people that have the thought on the paper, have the plan, and actually follow through with it that actually something happens. So what are the things uh, in the way of where I want to go in 2019? Have you thought about that? Because some of us have some goals, right? I would assume you have some goals. Now, some of us get to a point where you go, I don't care, uh, you know, I've done that before, I'm not ever going to do it again. But I want to discourage you from having that thought. We ought to always be thinking, what is there something new and different that I can do in the new year that God can use me to do? So I think about that. What are some of the things that may get in the way of where you want to be this year? And you've probably already thought about those, but you have to think about those. So if you, if you think about the word resolution, and I kind of broke this down into it's re, right, and solution, right? Resolutions, okay? So it's really, it's already a solution you know about. I already know I need to lose weight, and I know how to do it. I just don't do it, right? So this re-solution is, is I'm going to try the solution that I knew was to the problem I had last year, but I'm going to try it again because I fell off the wagon last year, right? You know, that's kind of what it's about. Or maybe even a new way of doing that solution again, which I know is the solution to my problems, but I started it and I didn't get through it last year and I want to try to recommit to that this year. So do you have a plan? Do you have a course for doing something different in 2019? I hope you do. Now, the question I want to ask you is this. If we went to lunch today and we sat down across from each other and I ask you this question, does your plan, does your course that you're going to take in 2019, does that include the knowledge of God's will? Now, that might be awkward for you. You go, what? Well, of course it does. Now, I want you to try to think of that conversation in terms of two people, not me, the pastor, talking to you, or me, the preacher, talking to you, but just two people. Because just because I'm asking the question doesn't mean I have my stuff together any better than you do. Because you would have to ask me that question too. Craig, well, what about your plan? Does that have God's will in it this year? It's an interesting question, and defensively we were going to say, well, of course I have God's will in my plan for 2019. But in my explanation or your explanation, it might include some spiritual sounding stuff, but have we really thought when we plan out the things we're going to do, do we really include the thoughts of God's will? Do we really think about, I need to think about when I'm making these plans that Christ loved me enough to die for me and rise again for me, so I ought to always have that first and foremost in every plan that I make. And let's be honest, some of us do, but some of us don't, right? And I'm not talking about the color you wear this morning. Oh, I wonder what God's will is. Should I have worn this blue blazer or my gray one this morning? I don't know that it goes that far, but there's a lot of things that it does matter. And I think that's a fair question 
for us to think about God's will and think about the death and resurrection of Christ into my plans because if we're a follower of Jesus, that's a fair question, isn't it? Do we really consider that? Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, maybe you're thinking about being a Christian or maybe you've tried that and maybe you've kind of gotten away from that because you're angry at God or something has happened and you've distanced yourself from God, I still think it's something you should know about because people who are true followers of Christ do think about God's will and what that has in store for, for their life. Now, how do I know that? Well, we know that because by the grace of God, we have His Word. We have it compiled for us. I don't know how many times you think about how blessed we are to have this. It's amazing when you think about it. We, we just take it for granted. Well, yeah, I have 12 in my, on my shelf in my office, and you probably have a lot at your house. You know, if you leave one here, and usually invariably some of y'all leave one here, and we tell you the next week, and everybody's always defensive when you tell them that. You go, oh, I read it. I have another one at home. You know, you know of course you do. I know you do. But it, it is amazing when you think about it, the thoughts, the actions of those early God followers in the Old Testament and then those early Christ followers in the New Testament, we have thoughts and actions of, of how they lived, of how they dealt with their culture, just like that. So for today and for the next few weeks, I want to go through the letter that Paul wrote to the group of Christians at a place called Colossae, and it's called the book of Colossians. And many of you may have heard that, if have read that before, um, but I want to look at that from the next few weeks and thinking of these terms as having the knowledge of God's will for our lives going into this new year. Because Paul's writing to a group of people that, interestingly enough, he never probably even met. And I'll get into that in just a little bit. But he's also writing from prison. He's writing from jail. He has been put in jail because wherever he goes as an evangelist as a missionary and tries to tell the good news of Christ, it starts a riot almost everywhere he goes. And you think, why? Because he is challenging people to be counterculture. And when you challenge people to be countercultural, there is going to be problems, just like it was for Jesus, just like it was for all of those in the New Testament. So when Paul goes in and saying, hey, I know what you hear in culture, I know what you see is going on, but does that line up with God's will? And when people start really doing that, it causes them to change. And when they start changing, culture starts changing. And when culture starts changing, that causes some problems between people sometimes, doesn't it? And so it caused problems everywhere Paul went because he was trying to get people to say, hey, your allegiance is not to the world power, Rome. It's not to false idols. It's not to all these things. It's to Jesus Christ who died for you and rose for you and wants to transform you. Your identity is in Him. Your purpose is in Him. And that's what He wants you to follow. And that caused some issues. So much so that they just put Him in jail. We don't know what to do with this guy. Everywhere He goes, He causes issues. But in the process, the, the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ was, was, was spreading everywhere within the, the first century. So Paul writes this letter to this group in prison. So we're going to look at that um, this morning. And Paul does not let these circumstances of him being in jail keep him from encouraging, equipping, and challenging people to be continue being followers of Christ and to challenge people who aren't followers yet to be followers of Christ. So... Colossians, Colossae now is, is no more. It's now what we know as modern Turkey. And it was a city that had a history of a lot of traveling people from all over the world coming through there because it was on a very, very important trade route um, from Ephesus 
to the Euphrates River. So people were coming through there trading and selling things. And uh, later when a, a, a town called Laodicea, I think that's how you pronounce that, was also founded near there, um, Coloss lost a lot of significance because they rerouted the trade route out of Colossae to Laodicea. So it became kind of a, a sleepy town and eventually it was no more. But in Paul's time, it was kind of in the process of being rerouted. So it wasn't as significant as it was at one time, but it still had very much significance. But also what was happening there is they were used to, through the years of having a lot of diverse people come through there because of the trade routes. And they're selling stuff and they're trading stuff and they're from different environments, they're from different backgrounds, they have different ideas, they have different philosophies, they have different religions, they have different gods that they worship, and they have different thoughts about life. And so when you're doing business and you're trading with these people and you're having conversations with them about life, they're telling you all kinds of different thoughts and philosophies about life. And you hear these things and you have to say, huh, I've never heard that before. That's interesting. That's very different from what I've heard and what I believe and what I've been taught, but it's something different. And then you have to start weighing those things and say, how does that line up with what I believe about God? How does that line up with what I believe about life? What does that line up with what I believe about what's going on in my culture right now? So this community of believers have been established during Paul's third missionary journey. Now, many of you have, who have heard about Paul, he went on three missionary journeys that we know of, and this was part of the third one. He had probably never met these people face-to-face -face or actually even visited there. He wanted to, but because he was in prison, he wasn't able to. But he says, I hear what's going on there. This is an important church, and I want to encourage these people. I want to equip these people, and I want to challenge these people to stay on course, not to get off the course that I know they found. And he tells us, and we'll read about it in just a minute, that a, a Jesus follower named Epaphras, this was the man who was probably in Ephesus, pretty close by, maybe 100 miles within um, Colossae, who he, Paul had done his uh, missionary journey, and he had stayed there three years with those people, really teaching and spending time with them. And Epaphras was probably there, and from Ephesus he went to Colossae and said, hey, I want this community of believers to know what I've heard and share the good news of Christ. And these folks in Colossae started coming together and saying, hey, we're going to be a church. And as Christianity had taken root in that group of folks there, it was certainly colliding with all these other ideas that were in their culture. And they're hearing these things and said, yes, we heard Jesus, we heard about that good news, and it has transformed us, but we still keep hearing some of these new things and different things as people come into our town. And how does that stack up with our Christianity? And so Paul says, well, I want to write them. I can't go visit them. Epaphras has come to Rome where Paul is in prison. He goes, here's some of the things that are going on in my church, and I'm concerned about my people. Some of them think they need to add other things to their Christianity. And that doesn't, that doesn't stack up, does it, Paul? He goes, no, it doesn't. He goes, well, maybe you could write them a letter. And I don't know if this conversation went on. I'm speculating here. But we do know that Epaphras went to Rome, and obviously he was concerned about his church. So he said, Paul, can you write him a letter? Now, we don't really quite understand that because we have the Bible compiled for us. But I tried to think of a, a, a way that might, we could identify with that. Uh, a preacher that you can think of today that we all respect. Now, for a long time it was Billy Graham, right? And he passed away this year. But can you imagine if Billy Graham, in the heyday of Billy Graham, if he heard about Southwest Christian Church? And as he's traveling all over the world telling people about the gospel of Christ, he meets some people from Southwest, or he knows some people from Southwest, or he's heard about Southwest and they're maybe having some issues and he says, well, I'm going to write him a letter. If he sent us a letter, do you think we would read that letter? 
I guarantee you I would. And you know what I would do? I would say, guess what? The next time I preach, I'd say, I want you all to hear what Billy Graham said to us. Southwest Christian Church, he wrote us a letter. Would you all want to hear it? I would want to hear it. And that's, that's kind of the level it was with Paul. They said, we know who Paul is. We wish he would come and, and visit us, but we know he can't because he's been arrested. He's in prison, but he wrote us a letter. So when he wrote that letter to these people, they wanted to hear it. They were excited. What does Paul have to say with us? Because they knew that they were struggling with these things, and they wanted to hear what Paul had to say. So we're going to read that. We're going to start reading this, this interesting uh, letter. So we're going to look at chapter 1 of Colossians, and we're going to start in verse 1, and we are going to go through verse 14. So listen, so Paul starts the letter like this, and it's going to be on the screen for you. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, that tells him this young man named Timothy, who is kind of like... Uh, an understudy, an intern, uh, associate pastor, whatever, is with him. He says, we're writing to you, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. And that's just kind of how Paul starts all of his letters, very, very similar. And he starts this way. He says, "We we always thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard. Again, he hasn't actually been there, but he's been getting... Uh, word about what's going on. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Now I want to go back to that just for a minute. Listen to some of these words Paul used. We have, we have heard of your faith. Paul uses this a lot. Your faith. I know where your faith is, okay? In the Lord Jesus Christ and the love that you have for all the people, all right, for all God's people. So he's saying, I've heard about your faith. I've heard uh, about the love you have for people. And then he talks about, and I also have heard about the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard, the true message of the gospel. So he starts out by telling, he says, hey, we're praying for you. We've heard about your faith. We hear about what's going on in your church. We're happy about that. You have faith, you have love, and you have hope. That's a great start. So then he goes on, and we'll get to go down to verse um, 6 there, uh, second part. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Just like it is with y'all, it is bearing fruit, he says, and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. So he says, not only are y'all doing well, but I want to encourage you. The, the gospel is going out all over the world, and it's bearing fruit, and you need to understand that. And just like you, when the day you heard it, other people all around the world, when they hear it, they say, that makes sense. I need something to transform my life. You mean God really loves me enough to send His Son to die for me? He wants me not only to be forgiven of my sins, but He wants me to understand my identity in Him. And He wants me to have a purpose in Him. I like that. And it was transforming people. So then he said, you learned it, verse 7, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So again, he's saying, look, y'all know who Epaphras is? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've talked to him. He tells me. And what does that say about Epaphras' love for his congregation? He cares about them. He's in tune with them. He loves them. And he says, yeah, they have faith. Yeah, they have love. Yeah, they have hope. But I'm still concerned about them. And that tells us that Epaphras knows his people. But he's talking, he's talking to Paul about it. So he's building them up. He's encouraging them and saying, hey, a lot of things are going good. And then he says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge 
of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light." I'm going to stop right there. That's one of those famous Paul run-on sentences. It goes from run-on-on-on-on-on-on. It just goes on and on because he, he is so excited about what he's saying, he just keeps on and he doesn't stop. Then verse 13, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Now, as famous as Paul is, as popular as Paul is, he is still saying, do you know the word he keeps using through all of this? What is it? We. We. He's talking about me and Timothy. He's talking about where we are in Rome, the Christians in Jerusalem, the Christians in Colossians. We're all one. It doesn't matter what part of the world you're in. We are all brothers and sisters. And so he keeps saying we. The same Jesus that gives you identity, the same Jesus that gives you purpose in your life is the same Jesus that we all call Lord and Savior. So... As I think about this, I want us to kind of focus on that long run-on sentence in verses 9 through 14. And I want to encourage you to keep reading this as we go through this. But Paul is telling them, not only him, but Timothy that's with him and other Jesus followers, he says, we're praying for y'all. We know it's not easy in your culture. We understand there's things going on and there's different ideas that are colliding and making you think. Is this true? You ever have days like that? I don't care how long you've been a Christian. There's days you have where you go, you hear something and you go, I know what the truth is, but I kind of wonder. Something just happened in my life. Something just happened in the world that makes me say, I know what God's Word says and I know what the truth is, but I don't know, this makes me go, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. We all have those moments. And I think that's okay. God is okay with us having those moments. It's called faith. You know, it's called faith. If you didn't, it's called doubt about your faith. And if you didn't ever have any doubts, then I don't know how strong your faith would really be. It wouldn't really be faith, would it? It would be just fact. But sometimes we don't know and we think about it. So Paul says, I know how it is. Believe me, I'm in prison. I'm going, God, you called me to go be a missionary and now I'm locked up. How is that your will? Am I still doing your will? Is this what you wanted me? Did I say something wrong? Did I make the, right group, did I make the wrong group mad? But God's still saying, Paul, don't give up. These people in Colossae have heard your word. Their lives are being transformed. It's going out all over the whole world. Don't give up. So basically he's saying, we will continue. What is he praying for? Well, he says, I pray for you. And that's just where I want us to grasp this for us in 2019. I'm praying that, you, that God would continually fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that's one of the what's we need for 2019 that we will be filled with the knowledge of His will through the wisdom and the understanding the Spirit gives. And one of the best ways y'all can do that, and this is simple and you've heard it in church your whole life, read God's Word. If you are not already doing that, I want to I encourage you to read God's Word this year. We have so many opportunities. If you have a phone and you're tied to your phone like many of us are, there's a thing called version. If you haven't heard it, you need to get it and use it, and you can read your Bible anywhere. There's so many awesome plans on the version that you can use that will help you get into God's Word. But the more you can put God's Word into your mind and your heart and your soul, the better off you're going to be. So we need to fill ourselves with the knowledge of His will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit will give us. 
So that, he says, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Now, who doesn't want to do that? Who doesn't want to live a life that says, God says, I'm really pleased with Craig. I'm really pleased with Sue. I'm really pleased uh, with, with Joe. I want to hear that, don't you? Don't you want to know that? And it's not a thing where we have to worry about every day, oh no, I'm not going to please God. What do I, I got to do all these things. No, be who Christ called you and made you to be. We're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We should be doing what He's called us to do. So we live a life worthy and please Him in every way. But we have to know what His Word says. Well, how do we do that? And He says, well, bearing fruit in every good work. And we understand what bearing fruit is, don't we? How many of us plant a fruit tree or plant some kind of a plant where we expect some kind of fruit or vegetable off of it and it never grows? Are we not frustrated with that? It's like, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with me? Did I do something wrong? You expect growth, and God expects growth in us. Evidence. And he wrote a letter to another church in Galatia, and he said, the fruit of the Spirit is, and y'all can probably say it with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. People need to see that in your lives. And you can go back and read that. Another letter to lesson. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened, he says, with all power according to His glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience. I don't know about y'all, but I need great endurance and patience. Do you? Especially with kids. Especially with family. Especially with people at work. Do you not need that? We need great endurance and patience. Because that's what I lose all the time. I lose my endurance and I lose my patience. And I go, oh. So Paul's saying, I understand that. I understand that, but you've got to have that. Be strengthened by listening to God's Word that you might have that great patience. And, joy, and giving joyful thanks to the Father. Never forget to give God thanks for your life and what He's given you to do. And then he says, why? So we've talked about the what, the how, and now the why. He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. Did you read that part? He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. What He's basically saying is, you get to enjoy the riches of the inheritance, not because you qualified for it, but what did He say? But it has been qualified for you. Have you ever had to qualify for something? You know how nervous you get on that? I have to pass the test. Or um, some of y'all who are runners, you know, like if you're running the Peachtree Road Race, you have to qualify to be able to be in the Peachtree Road Race. And they, they put people in sections, don't they? Like, okay, if you run a 10-minute mile, those people are going to go this time. If you run a 9-minute mile, people are going to do this. You've you got to qualify. But could you imagine if you're a 10-minute runner and somebody qualifies at the 5-minute part and says, okay, you get to take my place. Well, that would be embarrassing because everybody goes, what is that guy doing here? But somebody else qualified for you. That would be a great... Some of you have gotten in that race because somebody qualified and gave you their number. You understand how that is. But, but Paul's talking about something. You have been qualified. He, Christ, has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the holy people. You didn't get that by anything you did. I didn't get that by anything I did or ever will do. It's just that God loved us enough to say, I'm going to qualify you to accept that inheritance. And then he says, And he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us in to the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So Paul is building up this group and saying, hey, I know where you're at. And he's going to get to the point where he addresses these colliding of ideas as we go through this, this series. I want you to, we're going to get into that as we get into part of chapter 1 and into chapter 2 and 3 and 4. We're going to get into those specific issues. But he's trying to say, I know where you're at. I hear what you're going through. And I'm in prison. I get it. 
But I want you to stay the course and remember the what, the how, and the why. And don't forget that God loves you. He knows what you're going through and He's trying to strengthen you. So we too live in this culture where there's many ideas, many philosophies, religions, and thoughts about life. And maybe they're not coming. They're not coming necessarily on trade routes like they were in that first century. But you know where they're coming from, don't you? They're coming on our devices, aren't they? They're coming through our computer faster than they ever have. We were talking around a table yesterday at a reception about the first time we remember using the Internet. And we were like, oh, was that 90? Was it 80? You know, what was it? And it was just like, how much has that changed our life, y'all? We get information instantaneously, don't we? And it's all kinds. And my kids are constantly asking really tough questions. You know why? Because there's somebody on the Internet every day that's making a video, that's making a blog, that's making something that's telling them something contrary to what they're being taught here at church and in God's Word. And they're hearing that way more than they're hearing God's Word. And so it collides in their minds and their hearts and they're trying to figure it all out. And we need to be a church, we need to be a group of people that say, hey, we want to continue to keep them on course. And if we're going to keep other people on course, what do I need to be on my course? I need to be on my course, don't I? I need to stay on course, and that's important. So we need to be aware of our technology and our devices. And they're great. They help us keep up with people. They're very helpful in our life, but we can't let them steer us the wrong way. And as Jesus followers, we too can get off course. And we have a tendency to try those other things and pattern our life or add them to our Christianity. Well, this guy at work was saying, well, I heard on the Internet, and we say, yeah, maybe I should add that too. And Paul's saying, as he's going to say, and we'll get into this next week, hey, wait a minute, you don't need to add anything to what Christ did. He qualified you for eternal life. He qualified you for forgiveness of sin through His life, through His death, and through His resurrection. And that is supremely sufficient for you to have a true identity and a true purpose in your lives. Those are in Christ. So whatever you're considering in your plans or resolutions for 2019, allow what Paul said to the Colossian church to encourage you and I hope through this series we're going to encourage and equip one another and challenge one another to move forward in the knowledge of God's will for 2019. Does that sound good? I'm excited about it. I'm excited about hearing more about what Paul says and how that can can connect life. Well, we're going to sing a song in just a minute. Mike's going to come up here. And we're going to offer a, an invitation as we all do. Maybe as we've talked today, you said, you know what, I want to know what my true identity is. I want to know what my true purpose is. I want that to be in God and in His plan. I want to be a part of that. And we offer that every week. If you're thinking about that and you're ready to make that decision, you can come forward and we can talk about it. We can do it today. Or if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it this week. We'll be glad to. Our staff, myself, James, Mike, any of our staff will be glad to meet with you and talk with you about that. But also, if you're looking for a church home, we're committed to saying, we're going to teach God's Word and we're going to try to encourage people to be followers of Him. And we're going to try to stay true to what His Word said. And not add all these other things that are coming in from, from culture. But stay true to what God's called us to be and do. So we're going to stand as time. And if you have a decision, you can come forward at this time. Let's sing together. Mm -hmm.